Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, America has seen a double-digit increase in the number of children in foster care over the past decade. Sesame Workshop has launched a collection of resources to help kids cope emotionally with a family unit in crisis. And with more kids in foster care, the need for quality foster families is greater than ever. New collaboration in Northwest Ohio aims to give more kids better outcomes. Also coming up this morning, now that we're getting back to our normal lives, it's the perfect time to reboot your family's wellness routine this summer as well. And plenty of things to get you outdoors as summer begins in the month of June with the Hancock Park District. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, May 25th, 2021. Today is Geek Pride Day, not Greek Pride Day, Geek Pride Day today. (laughs) Take pride in and embrace all of your geekiness. Uh, Today is also National Brown Baggot Day. Oh, I don't know. In my day, uh, there was nothing nothing that screamed geek (laughs) more than brown bagging it. If you didn't have one of those uh, fancy lunch boxes at school if you just plain, plain old brown bagging it well well that was a sure sign of it. uh national missing children's day today on a serious note it is also national tap dance day national wine day and i thought this was kind of interesting national towel day which you know a, a day at first glance i saw that it a whole day honoring the towel but then on the other hand i mean where would we be without them so i guess it makes sense to have a day honoring the towel by the way speaking of uh towels paper towels toilet paper uh all of those uh, sundry things that were in short supply at the height of the pandemic uh hand sanitizer clorox wipes all of those things we hoarded as we hunkered down in lockdown, uh, that is now over. You can you can find you know, toilet paper is in abundant supply. Uh, hand sanitizer, no problem. Used to be you would go to that section of the store and the shelves would be empty and now it's overflowing. However, Wall Street Journal reports that Americans are now buying up things like deodorant, teeth whitener, perfume, nail polish, hair products, and sales of alarm clocks are even spiking. (laughs) Now, uh, all of those things that stores couldn't give away a year ago are now uh, in short supply. And it's the hand sanitizer and Clorox wipes that they can't get rid of. Also being snapped up, things like swimsuits, suntan lotion, and luggage. So, again, lest there be any doubt that this is the summer of the vacation, the great travel reboot of 2021, as we were talking about yesterday. Sales of luggage, suntan lotion, and swimsuits spiking. As for experimenting with uh making sourdough bread that was like one of the hottest things uh, a year ago uh baking at home apparently those days are gone too 
If you wondered, is this something, you know, making more homemade meals, homemade bread, baking, and, and that kind of thing, if that was going to be a new trend? No. It was just a flash in the pan, no pun intended, uh, during the lockdown. Sales of flour and other baking products are down by more than 35% uh, in the month of April as compared to the year before. So, in case you were wondering, it's kind of interesting. So, uh, here are some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to start your Tuesday morning. A letter written by Albert Einstein in which he writes out his famous E equals MC squared equation has sold at auction for more than $1.2 million. That's about three times what it was expected to bring, according to Boston-based RR Auctions. Archivists at the Einstein Papers Project, the California Institute of Technology, and the Hebrew University of Jerusalem say that there are only three other known examples of Einstein writing the equation in his own hand. Uh, so this fourth example, the only one in a private collection, only became public recently, according to the auction house. They had expected it to sell for about 400 k but instead it went for $1.2 million. Um, the executive vice president at RR Auction House, Bobby Livingston, uh, calls the equation the most famous in the world, an important letter from both a holographic and a physics point of view. $1.2 million. <clears throat> uh, e equals dollar sign squared. That's... Um, <laughs> I saw this story in the uh, Newswire yesterday, and I had a chuckle. A woman named Siri has a big beef with Apple, the Apple company. Her real name is Siri. Siri Hafso says until 2011, she loved her name, and she used to get complimented on how unique it was. But all that changed after Apple announced its virtual assistant. And she says since then, she has had to endure years of jokes, and she feels she deserves something for her pain and suffering. So, now, I don't know where she lives. I don't know where this person uh, resides, but I'm guessing she is not American. Because if she was American, she would have sued. Because that's what we do in this country when we feel we are wronged, especially by big-time corporate giants. We sue. She instead just wrote a letter to Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, asking for a free laptop. <laughs> you deserve to give me something uh, to make up for all of this grief that you have caused me, and I'm, I'll be happy with a free laptop. Uh she uh, created a TikTok post uh, about all of this, which has gone viral. I don't know if she got her uh, laptop, but I would say I think she I think that's the least that they can do. They're not paying her royalties on her name or anything like that. She's not suing them. <laughs> so just go ahead and send her a laptop. I mean, that's that seems like a reasonable exchange. <laughs> um, this uh, is from the file of. Uh, health science question mark Duke University did you hear about this Duke University 
is developing a toilet that keeps track of your bowel movements uh, for health purposes. The university's website says the Duke Smart Toilet Lab. (laughs) How would you like to work at the Duke Smart Toilet Lab? Better yet, how would you like to be the director of the Duke Smart Toilet Lab? (laughs) If you're at a party sometime and somebody comes up to you and says, so what do you do for a living? Well, I'm the director of the Duke Smart Toilet Lab. (laughs) The Duke Smart Toilet Lab, it says, is aiming to leverage important health information instead of just flushing it down the toilet. Researcher Dr. Sonia Grego tells the medical press the device would just require users to flush and as the stuff goes down or passes through the uh, plumbing of the uh, toilet, it uh, scans and monitors for abnormalities, um, including the presence of blood, other antibodies they can scan for. She said this could be especially useful for patients in long-term care facilities. I can see that. I can certainly see that. But... uh, (laughs) On the other hand, you know, here is big tech. Uh, you talk about big tech invading your privacy. That's <laughs> how comfortable would you be? Your toilet telling you <clears throat> all's well, or maybe you should get checked out or whatever. I don't know. So, uh, your daily chuckle of the day. You got to check this out. Uh, search for this online when you get a chance. Uh an embarrassing moment for a woman in Santa Monica, California, uh, who took a nasty spill on her bicycle while attempting attempting to take a selfie. <laughs> what could be more embarrassing than wiping out on your bike while attempting to take a selfie? Doing it on national TV, of course. A uh, bicyclist uh, riding past live TV cameras is uh, trying to snap a selfie and uh, the uh, cyclist who had one hand on her cell phone and one on the handlebars uh, wipes out <laughs> in the background of a live report on MSNBC the other day. The reporter, who of course has his back to all of this, you know, it's he's looking at the microphone and or looking at the camera uh, rather, and uh, this is all happening behind him, so he has no idea. So he's going on and on and on uh, with his report. And uh, this is all going on in the uh, on the background. Another bicyclist, another bicyclist comes up and checks to make sure she's okay. She gets up and uh, rides away. So apparently she wasn't seriously injured. But it is a rather humorous moment. And if you Google the MSNBC bike crash, uh, I- I'm sure that you can find it because this has uh, turned viral. If you want to chuckle today, if you haven't seen that, check it out. And lastly. Among the first things you need to know this morning, one of those things that make you go, hmm. And uh, I'll, I'll let you make of this what you will. A new study conducted by Zipia. Is that a website? I, I don't know. I'm not familiar with Zipia. Anyway, Zipia conducted a, a new study calculating each state's grossness based on Several factors, including air quality, number of landfills, illness spread. They also analyzed a number of Google searches for certain gross items and gross terms determining their rankings. Some of the terms 
that they classified as gross would include mayo recipes <laughs> and crock wearing. You know those uh, plastic rubberized shoes, crocs? They said you've got to draw a line somewhere, and they said that's, that in their mind is gross. So anyway, here are the grossest states, top 10 grossest states, according to this calculation. Virginia, number one, grossest state in the nation. South Carolina, North Carolina. Well, I can see North Carolina. We did talk about the Duke Smart Toilet. I mean, that's a little bit gross. So you can see they're right up there. Pennsylvania, number four. Texas, number five. The rest of the top 10, New Jersey, Connecticut, Georgia, Delaware, and New York. Ohio ranked just outside the top 10 at number 13 overall. According to this, we are the 13th grossest state. While Michigan, because we always want to compare Ohio to Michigan, Michigan ranked near the bottom at number 42. How is it that we are 30 places more gross than Michigan? What is up with that? The bottom five least gross states, Maine, Idaho, Nebraska, Montana, and Alaska. So there you go. Uh, The grossest states in the union, and we are right up there at number 13. I don't know. Make of that what you will. Discuss amongst yourselves. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. Ohio health officials reported yesterday the state had its fewest number of coronavirus cases in one day since last June. Yolanda Harris with ONN affiliate WBNS-TV in Columbus reports. The Ohio Department of Health reported 566 new cases. Our current vaccine numbers show more than 44% of Ohioans have received at least one shot and nearly 39% are fully vaccinated. Police just west of Columbus say more than three people were found dead at a duplex following an apparent shooting yesterday afternoon. Olivia Eugenio has more with West Jefferson Police Chief Chris Floyd. The police chief tells us that the call came in for this around 5.30 from someone passing by, but the shooting could have happened between 1 o'clock and 5.30 in the afternoon. Whether it was a robbery, a target, we don't know at this point. Something brought somebody to the dead end street. When asked the last time there was a homicide in West Jefferson, the chief said it was before his time. He estimated anywhere from 7 to 10 years ago in West Jefferson. Olivia Eugenio. One year ago today, George Floyd, a black man handcuffed on the pavement, died after a white man Minneapolis police officer penned a knee on his neck for more than nine minutes. The incident sparked protests nationwide, including cities in Ohio. Nearly $160,000 in damage was caused to the Ohio State House during the unrest, and other downtown buildings were damaged. I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. Well, did you know that there are currently, right now, at this moment, more than 400,000 kids in foster care in the United States? And that over the past decade, there has been a double-digit percentage increase in the number of children in foster care. 
In honor of Foster Care Month, we are joined by uh, Dr. Arathusa Kirk. She is National Senior Medical Director for United Healthcare, and perhaps even more importantly, she knows firsthand the experience because she's been there herself, having grown up in and out of the foster care system. And Dr. Kirk, what are some of the challenges that children in the foster care system face? Well, thank you so much for having me, and a shout-out to all of the foster parents, uh, and we really celebrate you on May being Foster Care Month. You know, children in foster care, by definition, have experienced a trauma. Many of them have had maltreatment, abuse, or neglect, which has led to their out-of-home placement, and as a result, we see some staggering numbers, two times more likely to have a diagnosis of a learning disability, three times more likely to have a diagnosis of attention deficit disorder. We also see similar rates of increase for anxiety and depression. On the other hand, you know, these children are very much survivors. They've been thriving through crisis. um, And these tools that they've developed can be transitioned into the strengths that will lead them into a life of, of resilience as adults. That's why early intervention through behavioral health and other resources is very important to help um, these children have a chance. And again, this is not anecdotal to you. This is not just a research tells us that this and that uh, kind of narrative. Talk about your own personal journey as a foster care kid. Yeah, that's right. This is very personal for me. You know, I grew up uh, in and out of foster care starting at age four and aged out at age 18. Um, you know, there's not one person or one single moment that really led uh, to, you know, where I stand today. There are many people, including educators, counselors, my foster parents, and countless others um, who had a, a, a say and a play in making sure that I felt a sense of belonging. So now I'm a, a pediatrician and an advocate for kids and so privileged to be part of United Healthcare, where I have the opportunity to design programming for the Medicaid population as well as the children were so privileged to serve in foster care. Yeah, uh, United Healthcare uh, has been a partner with uh, Sesame Street for more than a decade now. Talk a little bit about the resources that Sesame Workshop has available uh, to help families, providers, communities, really the whole continuum. You know, Sesame Street, we're so proud of our partnership. They've been at the vanguard of diverse and inclusive programming since their inception. They now have a foster muppet named Carly. Mm -hmm. Um, She's in out-of-home placement, and they have many resources to help foster parents, educators, and others who are dealing with the questions that preschoolers bring forward um, as they're dealing with their emotions and and concerns with out-of-home placement. They really are centered around helping children feel safe, secure and a sense of belonging. And obviously, a a big part of this, just to underscore, uh, is uh, aimed at helping kids. Uh, Obviously, this is what Sesame Street does, but also, uh, as you mentioned, the the families, the foster families, and, and everyone else in these kids' lives as well. Yes, the reality is that none of us are alone. The pandemic has really taught us that we are all interconnected. And the resources at Sesame Street are an example of that in which uh, foster parents and others really play such a critical part in helping children develop into resilient adults. Are are there ways that we can help uh, these children uh, who, as you said, by definition, in in many cases, uh, are uh, experiencing or have experienced a trauma, they are in crisis, uh, ways to help 
those kids cope with uh, separation from their birth parents, the the, the placement uh, in foster care. Um, obviously, many of these kids are subjected to a number of moves throughout the course of their childhood and uh, maybe reunions uh, that that are short lasting or, or longer lasting. I mean, there's there are so many things uh, that you know, we can help these kids uh, adjust as they go through what is anything but a quote-unquote normal childhood. That is true. At the same time, right, what we want to build is a child and family well-being system. Mm -hmm. Uh, Children really need a sense of safety and security, and we all have as adults the power to create, even if it's a microcosm event, that sense of safety, that sense of compassion, understanding, and letting children feel heard and, and understood and a sense of belonging. So each one of these moments requires our patience, encouragement, and understanding. And also as something of a, of a postscript to all of this, you are also living proof yourself that foster kids are not damaged goods. I know they sometimes feel that way and sometimes others may view them that way, but foster kids can be successful in anything they want to do in life. If there's one thing I want you to take away, it's that no child, no child is a foregone conclusion. So please understand that, that we all play a part in the development of children, and we all have a moment and a role in many different ways to help create that message that there's always change and transformation available. Again, Dr. Arathusa Kirk is National Senior Medical Director for United Healthcare in honor of Foster Care Month. Uh, we mentioned the partnership with Sesame Workshop and the resources that they have available not only for kids, but for families, for providers, for really everyone in the community. Uh, mention again the uh, website where folks can get that uh, information and make use of those resources. My pleasure. So it's Sesame Street in the community.org backslash foster care, where you can download many different resources. And we will definitely link that up on our webpage as well. Dr. Kirk, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. We mentioned a little bit earlier, America has seen a double-digit increase in the number of children in foster care over the past decade. And with more kids in foster care, obviously the need for quality foster families is greater than ever. Joining us this morning is Angie Rader with the uh, Hancock County uh, Office of uh, Job and Family Services uh, here locally. And uh, and Angie, this has this has been an ongoing uh, issue. This is certainly not uh, nothing new. There's always been uh, a shortage of good quality families uh, to care for uh, kids that are uh, in the foster care system. That's correct. Uh, May is Foster Parent Appreciation Month, but mm-hmm. certainly May is not the only month that we need right. foster parents. Uh, right. Um, yes, Chris, there is a definitely always a shortage of foster parents. We always need more. The uh, number of kids that come into the foster care system and can continues to grow every single year. Mm-hmm. We, we were talking about the uh, statistics. Uh, it's uh, a double-digit increase. I think it's 11 12% uh, are the numbers. I don't have them in front of me right now, but if memory serves, like 11 12% uh, over the past several years. So this is uh, growing significantly. What, what, in your experience, has been the, uh, the biggest factor that holds families back from, from doing this? I think a lot of times it's just the unknown. They're not sure what types of kids 
um, might come into their home, what mm-hmm. to expect. Um, of course, a lot of these kids have special needs, and so that's a hesitation a lot of times for families that just don't feel prepared. Sure. Uh, just about uh, every single one of them has uh, some sort of psychological baggage uh, that, that comes, which is to be expected when a kid uh, gets uh, caught up in this type of a situation through no fault of their own. Yes, correct. And we've found even within the last year and a half with COVID, mental health issues have have increased um, not only for adults but for these kids as well. It's been really, really tough on them. Um, not seeing their friends because of, of um, you know, social distancing, right. not being in school. Right. So that's created a whole host, new host of issues for these children. Layers on top mm-hmm. of layers. And in the past, um, it's something that we've actually talked about on the program before, but when you have a placement uh, that is uh, needed and there are not uh, available foster families locally, what happens then? We have to contract with private foster care agencies, and um, when we do that, of course, placement costs are so much more, but in addition to that, children are oftentimes placed anywhere around the state of Ohio, which yeah. which then they it's more difficult for them to see their families. They can't keep their friends. They aren't staying in their same school, obviously. Right. So uh, that just, again, we talk about layering issues on top of issues. That becomes uh, an even greater hurdle, not just for the kids. As you mentioned, obviously, uh, if they're uh, placed in an unfamiliar community they don't have their friends they don't uh you know they're adjusting to a new school perhaps temporarily um but it also makes reunification of the family much more difficult and that is always the goal yes exactly it is and we offer visitation every single week for the children with their birth parents Mm -hmm. and when a child's three four hours away that's just very difficult a lot of times one of the barriers for the parents is transportation sure so if you don't have your own transportation it's very difficult to go and see your child and so reunification just becomes very very hard for them so when we talk about recruiting foster families and encouraging people to open their doors open their hearts to these kids who need safe places it's not just just for the benefit of the kids it's for the benefit of the entire family unit really right exactly and we found um that that in the last couple years we have had to place a lot of kids far away Mm -hmm. so we've developed a uh, collaboration with um some other northwest ohio children's service agencies and we all were you know i've been talking obviously and and came to the same conclusion that we need to do something about this and so we formed a collaboration. It's called Foster um, Care Northwest Ohio Collaboration. Mm-hmm. And we've all partnered together. And the goal is to try to find foster families locally plus in Northwest Ohio. Because at least if we're focusing on one part of the state, mm-hmm. that is, um, you know, better than trying to place with a private agency and then, and, you know, ha- possibly having a child three or four hours away. So this collaboration, how long has this uh, been in place? It's very new, um, about six or nine months now. Okay, so um, less than a year. Yes. And uh, kind of a challenging year to start a, uh, a new collaboration. But are mm-hmm. you seeing, are you starting to see results from that? Yes. Uh, there's The primary worker is, um, is doing a lot of recruitment, a lot of marketing about the program, mm-hmm. including within Hancock County. And uh, she has um, received a lot of feedback from foster parents. I know locally here we've had billboards up. 
and uh, different flyers out and things like that. So, yeah, she is getting a, a response locally, which is awesome. And uh, ultimately, the goal is to keep these kids within, uh, if not their own community, at least within a neighboring community where, uh, again, you can maintain that contact with the family and hopefully uh, some semblance of normalcy for uh, the child as yes. much as possible. Right, because... Sometimes, if if it's possible, a foster parent might, in order to still have a child maintain in their current school, mm-hmm. if they're just a county away, it's sometimes realistic for them to drive the child to school and pick them up. So uh, the likelihood of, of that normalcy is a lot greater when we're talking. That's about I would imagine that's got to be uh, certainly easier for the kids uh, to not be shuffled from one school to another, even on a temporary basis and back and forth and, and, and all of that. And it'd be easier on the schools uh, as well to not have to deal with uh, the changes in enrollment and and all of that. It just makes uh, things uh, much simpler and uh, much more there's much more cohesion all the way around. Yes, stability for everybody. Right. Yes, stability. That's Mm -hmm. the that's the uh, (laughs) word of the day. So, what is involved? And again, part of what the uh, collaborative is is doing. Uh, is a real push on recruitment and uh, something that you've done uh, locally for uh, quite a while. What is involved in becoming a foster family? There's a big piece of it is the training process, Mm -hmm. and that's where when these families have this hesitation, they can attend training sessions and then they can find out what it's like to be a foster parent. That's a big piece of it. Um, They also have to have uh, a home inspection. They work with an assessor Mm -hmm. to guide them through the process, um, answer questions, get some background checks to make sure everything's appropriate. Sure. And um, and those types of things. So the process takes around six months, six to twelve months, depending on how available the family is and um, and when the training's offered. So it is it is a process, and it does take time and commitment. Um, and um, you know, but it, there is, like I said, a social work that helps them through the process. And so in the end. Um, you know, hopefully they'll be able to be licensed. And um, we have a great need right now for even just temporary respite providers. So, so that is that is what uh, when you when you talk about temporary respite providers, what do they provide specifically? Well, a lot of the times, and actually most of the time, are when we need placement, it's an emergency situation. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes right, uh, foster parents aren't able to take a child right away because they have to arrange daycare or they have to arrange their school, uh, work schedule if they're mm-hmm. working parents. Yeah. And so in the meantime, if we have a family that's available and willing to even do an emergency respite situation. For a until, few days, yes, for a week, maybe. Yes, just that transition okay. period until we can get the child you know, into that more, um, you know, stable foster home. Mm-hmm. Um, also, foster parents need respite because, you know, they need a break. You know, sometimes sure. they need to go away for the weekend and just kind of rejuvenate and recharge. Mm-hmm. And so respite homes are that, just that break that they can provide to other foster parents. And and so the whether you're talking about uh, respite families or uh, more... Uh, permanent or, or regular quote-unquote regular foster uh, families as you were mentioning the training is there there's always somebody who you can go to for help it's not like uh you're you're out there on an island uh on your own i think that's as you mentioned one of the things 
that holds people back is that fear of the unknown. What do I do if, what kind of situations mm-hmm. might I get into? And you're always there. There's always resources to help. Right. And foster parents get to know each other. And so sometimes that's their biggest resource is turning Mm -hmm. to other foster parents. Um, But even aside from that, we're available 24-7. There's always an on-call worker. If there's a situation in the middle of the night and they just need some guidance or assistance, then then they're just a phone call away. It is a tough job. I mean, there is no uh, whitewashing that or no sugarcoating it. It can be a difficult job, but an incredibly rewarding job uh, as well. Mm Mm-hmm. It is. And some foster parents end up adopting. You know, sometimes kids cannot go back home for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And so um, sometimes the most rewarding thing is to see that child being able to be adopted by that foster family with the you know with whom they've been with for one to two years and bonded with and attached with and sometimes that's the most positive outcome and even in those cases and i know i i can speak from uh, personal experience knowing my parents uh when uh us kids were growing up uh fostered uh, a number of uh, uh of kids and they became sort of de facto uh part uh, members of the family even though there was not a formal adoption uh they they still become part of the the family in many cases. Mm-hmm. It's not uncommon for foster parents yeah. to have the children that they had in their home come back for holidays, right? Or you know, help sub- celebrate graduation or their first baby, whatever. You know, it, it's you do definitely develop that relationship, and and there's no doubt about that. Um, again, May is uh, Foster Care Month, saluting uh, foster families, saluting foster kids, because, uh, again, like we said a little bit earlier, a lot of times uh, these kids themselves uh, kind of have a self-image of, of being damaged goods. There's something wrong with them because of the situation that they've been thrust into. And when you have, especially when you have uh, good mentors, good uh, foster families, there is no limit to what these kids can do. No, no, exactly. And, you know, we always encourage them to participate in activities. Um, a lot of them are in therapy services. So we just focus on the strengths yeah. and try not to look at the weaknesses. And usually that will, you know, um, create growth for them. If somebody is interested in uh, becoming a foster family at some level, um, how do they Uh, begin that process? Um, They can call us at 419-424-7022 or visit our website, HancockJFS.org. Again, uh, Angie Rader from the Hancock County uh, Family Services uh, Office, Ohio Department of Job and Family Services. We have the link up for more information uh, on our webpage at goodmornings.net. Angie, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Well, the warmer weather season is here. It is time to step into the summer sunshine, a little more hopeful and healthier uh, in 2021. First thing we need to do is establish a wellness routine, and here to help us do that is dietitian, nutritionist, and founder of MPM Nutrition, Marissa Meshalem, uh, with some tips on how to take control of your health and boost your overall wellness. Obviously, Marissa, this can be uh, very intimidating anytime, but especially coming off the kind of year that we've had. Uh, share some of the, the tips on, on how to get the ball rolling toward a healthier lifestyle as we kind of come out of quarantine here and uh, resume our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's important to keep in mind that every wellness routine is different, and it really doesn't have to be this one-size-fits-all program to achieve better health. I'm always encouraging my clients to really go with the enjoyment approach. 
which means taking the time to figure out which methods actually feel good to them individually. For instance, there's really no reason to like wake up every day and force yourself to drink a kale smoothie if you don't enjoy it. Instead, we want to lean into those wellness behaviors you do enjoy. You know, maybe for you, it's a veggie omelet or avocado toast with an egg on top, you know, but finding whatever works best for you is really the way to go. And the same thing goes with finding the right balance in your fitness routine. Personally, I'm someone who just prefers longer walks and Pilates over those really high intensity workouts. And what happens is by finding what works best for you individually is you start to actually enjoy your wellness routine and you stick with it. And that builds that consistency, which is what we're all really struggling, you know, to get back into. So really kind of letting go of the idea that it's one size fits all and instead leaning into what works best for you. What do you actually like doing? So personalizing that routine is uh, the most important thing. And you talk about how diet and fitness are different sides of the same coin. Talk about how uh, one impacts the other. Totally. So fitness and nutrition really go hand in hand to support a healthy lifestyle because certain foods provide us with those essential nutrients and vitamins that give us that strength and energy to become more active. One of my favorite wellness foods are eggs since they're such an easily accessible ingredient that fit perfectly into any wellness plan. And they're actually really great for a pre or post-workout snack, but it's important to remember that not all eggs are created equal. Eggland's best eggs are the only egg with superior taste and nutrition, such as 25% less saturated fat, more than double the omega-3s and vitamin B12 compared to the ordinary egg. Vitamin B12 provides us a natural boost of energy to help fuel activity and omega-3s along with the protein in the egg actually help reduce soreness and aid in recovery after a strenuous workout, which makes eggs this perfect workout boost for getting you back into the gym or, you know, on your walk, whatever it might be for you. And you actually have uh, some great recipes for folks to incorporate those uh, into their diet, right? Yes, definitely. So one of my go-to recipes is this Spanish tortilla recipe. And it's really more like a frittata than a tortilla. And it just combines potatoes and eggs and a few other things baked into this like delicious breakfast or brunch food that I honestly even use as a convenient like pre or post workout snack. But that's just one recipe. There's this recipe and so many more. You can find something that really fits your own individual taste preferences on egglandsbest.com. I, one of these days, I'm going to remember uh, not to talk about food on this program because now I'm, I'm hungry all of a sudden. Um, you, also, <laughs> you also have uh, information on a fun initiative to uh, get people moving, to inspire people to uh, actually get started on this. Tell us more about this. Yeah, so Eglin's Best has joined forces with digital fitness platform Daily Burn to empower families to choose a healthier lifestyle by providing better-for-you recipes and free, easy-to-follow workouts for any skill level. They've also launched the sweepstakes where you've entered a chance to win some awesome fitness theme prizes. So there you go. Some uh, motivation for you. And again, as you were saying, circling back to where we started, finding the routine that works for you. It is not a one size fits all. So uh, always keep that in mind. Again, uh, dietitian, nutritionist, founder of MPM Nutrition, Marissa Meshelam with us uh, this morning. Uh, mentioned again the website where folks go for more information and all of those resources. Yeah. So I want you to go to dailyburn.com slash sleepstakes. And there you can get the recipes, workouts, and enter the chance to win some of those awesome prizes. Marissa, thanks very much for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update at the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. 
We've mentioned on the program many times that these cicadas are coming in some parts of the country. They are already here, and they are causing quite the stir. But uh, the Sheriff's Department in Union County, Georgia, is reminding people, begging people, that not, on, not no matter how grossed out you are by the cicadas, please, please do not call about the loud noises they make. <laughs> Union County Fire Rescue and EMA uh, writes on their uh, Facebook page, uh, the emergency 911 service is receiving multiple calls for alarms in the neighborhood. Uh, more, uh, more like these alarms are not alarms at all, but brood X of the cicadas. <laughs> and people are calling 911 to report... Uh, the loud noises, and while we certainly can understand a disturbance of the peace, this is not really something that the Sheriff's Department can do much about. Uh, the last time this specific group of cicadas made an appearance was back in 2004, that 17-year uh, cycle or whatever it is, and uh, they typically come out once the soil reaches 64 degrees. Um, it's just something that happens. Do not call 911. So... Public service, no matter how grossed out you are, it is not an issue for the local authorities. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, this is pretty bold. Suspect on the run in Idaho Falls, Idaho, recently. Authorities say they arrested Jesse Moore after they found him on the floor of a women's bathroom at a Subway restaurant. <laughs> It is believed he attempted to escape authorities through the ceiling of the restaurant and then fell through as pieces of the ceiling were found laying on the floor next to him. So, pretty good clue there. Mr. Moore believed to have been involved in a series of crimes leading up to his arrest. The owner of the restaurant told police Mr. Moore had entered the establishment earlier in the day and went behind the counter to fill out an application. <laughs> Uh, and then after he left, employees reportedly noticed a stack of ham was missing. <laughs> pretty bold. But since he filled out an application, authorities were pretty sure they had their guy. Uh, Mr. Moore is uh, accused of stealing a child's bicycle, with which uh, he left in place of a motorcycle he is also accused uh, uh, of attempting to steal. So he steals the bike and then decides he needs something faster. So he leaves that and, and takes a motorcycle. And then, on the run from authorities, he stole a stack of meat. He is obviously facing multiple charges. <laughs> Making things fun in Idaho. Always got to have something from Florida. Uh, a Florida woman facing charges for allegedly... or and I'm sorry, a Florida man facing charges for allegedly stabbing a woman who turned down his proposition for, um, you know, some adult fun, shall we say. <laughs> the Flagler County Sheriff's Office says uh, 55-year-old Renee Lasso showed up at a bar uh, where a woman he had reportedly harassed was at. That woman claims she and her boyfriend confronted the man because he had previously propositioned her, uh, offering $5,000 for her to sleep with him. Uh, during the argument, uh, Mr. Lasso is said to have called the woman 
a nasty name before stabbing at her and her boyfriend. Both sustained minor injuries. They're going to be fine. I don't want to laugh when somebody gets gets seriously injured, but there's just minor injuries. Bar patrons then stopped the man from fleeing. They jumped into action and detained the man. He has now been charged with two counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. I can't imagine why in the world she would have turned him down. (laughs) It's hard to believe, isn't it? He seems like such a fine, upstanding citizen. A real catch for anyone. Hard to believe she would turn him down. A Texas woman expected to face charges for a stunt involving the monkey exhibit at the local zoo. The El Paso Zoo director, Joe Montesano, tells local news reporters the woman trespassed over the weekend when she got over a fence, walked across a moat, and fed two spider monkeys. Video of the feeding put on social media, of course. Uh, Director... Montesano says the woman was lucky she didn't get hurt, noting that these particular primates are very strong and can scratch and bite. Uh, so she was uh, actually pretty lucky, all things considered. They plan, <laughs> the zoo says they plan to increase patrols in the area and they may raise the fence up uh, higher to keep others from trying to get in and feed the monkeys. Because. Raising the fence would be less of a hassle than giving an IQ test before allowing people to enter the zoo, I guess. <laughs> that would be the other way to fix the problem. You just keep people on IQ testing. And finally, in the broken news this morning, um, if you cut down a bunch of trees in order to improve the view uh, out your front window, uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It becomes a bad thing when the trees you cut down are on your neighbor's property, not your own. And it becomes a really bad thing when the trees that you cut down, 100 of them in all, are on your neighbor's property and your neighbor is a national forest. Oops! Couple from Roland, Arkansas decided to cut down 100 of their neighbor's trees so that they could enjoy a better view of the lake beyond the woods. Problem, of course, the neighbor is the uh, Wachita National Forest. Dennis Rainey and his wife Barbara uh, hired landscapers to cut down or shave off the tops of uh, trees along a trail that blocked their view of Lake Mommel. <laughs> we want a better view of the lake. The Pulaski County Sheriff's Office is investigating, and they say, yes, what the Rainies did was very much illegal. Uh, Dennis Rainey defended his actions on Monday and said he thought he had permission to go ahead with the tree removal. He admitted we did top multiple trees and cut down a handful of pines, but we did so under the assumption that previously granted permission from a Little Rock water executive was still in effect. (laughs) Well, okay then. Uh, Mr. Rainey and his wife, who have lived at their location since 1983, called the unauthorized landscaping our unintentional mistake. You've been there since 1983. Did you not know it was a national forest? Did you not know that it was... 
The two could face charges of first-degree criminal mischief. <laughs> All because they wanted a better view of the lake. Wonder if there's a view of the lake from prison. Uh, there you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. Uh, we uh, brought to you as a public service, more or less, as we said, Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is the sound of a popular American motorcycle. It's the sound of freedom, the open road, really good times. And this is what it sounds like with a drunk guy in it. How do you like the sound of that? Cops are cracking down on drunk motorcycle riders. If you ride drunk, you will get caught and you will get arrested. Drunk riding, over the limit, under arrest. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Transportation. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. If your kids ran your kitchen, what would dinner time look like in your home? Probably a lot different than it looks right now. Uh, a, st- a study of 1,000 kids discovered what they really think of meal times, And among 6 to 16-year-olds, the top menu items, pizza, burgers, and chicken nuggets. <laughs> in that order pizza burgers chicken nuggets you'd be having a lot of that uh at dinner time if kids ran the kitchen while mom wins in the cooking steaks dad is the least strict around the table and also most likely to burn the food <laughs> according to the kids 1006 to 16 year olds in this survey almost half of the kids 47 percent of honest youngsters admitted they prefer their mom's meal choices. Only 16% would opt for dad's choices. Moms also revealed as the most creative in the kitchen, but dad's more enthusiastic. (laughs) I don't know what that means, but dads are most enthusiastic in the kitchen. Research found that if kids had it their way, they would eat at 5.48 p.m. each day. 5.48 is the average time, meal time, uh, preferred meal time among the kids. And the kids would be able to choose how much food goes on their plate. Uh, 27% believe, and this is kids saying, 27% believe that phones should be allowed at the table, while 13% would like to eat their dessert before the main dish. That not surprising at all i don't think make no mistake summer is here and uh that means it is time to get outdoors plenty of things to do as summer begins michelle rumschlag is here from the hencock park district and uh uh, starting to the good news is starting to get back to in-person stuff, right? Yes, actually, as of June second, so a week from tomorrow, we are back to pre-COVID, full, yes. full-on open houses, just in time, right? Just in time. Yes, for, uh, we, the we had season. our summer programming. We knew we were going to do um, limited capacities with some things, right? And then once that came down, we we're like, oh, I mean, we can go back to the McKinnis house. We haven't right. been there since February of last year. Last year, which yeah. seems like eons ago. <laughs> I had to think. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know. It's to the point where you've got to think, when was the last time we did right? some of this stuff? So, yeah, we're very excited about being able to give a full 
um, summer scheduling. And obviously right. people ready to get out. I mean, I'm sure that the yes. parks have been very busy over the past week or so with the gorgeous weather we've had. So yes. what are some of the things, uh, some of the highlights happening in the month of June? Well, coming up this weekend, um, so Memorial Day weekend, so our Zonta Landing boat rentals are going to be open this weekend, though it's a little cooler, which it's going to be 60s on yeah, it's <laughs> like 60s, 70s, our, yeah. For our opening day. but um, So that's going to be taking place. So, of course, the rentals are from 1 until 7 um, down there at Riverside. It's $5 for half an hour to rent. Um, canoes, kayaks, and pedal boats are okay. back this year. So we had it limited last year just because of cleaning and staff, but we have our full staff back. So we're excited that we'll awesome be able stuff. to do everything back on the river. And so that starts Saturday. We'll also be open through Memorial Day mm-hmm. and then really through the summer. I mean, through Labor Day weekend. Right. And we were like that last year. So, again, we appreciate everybody that came out last year and supported us. I think it was one of our best seasons that we've had. So don't forget about us when you can do all your other fun things this sure. year. Um, I mean, it's, it's just a fun time. A lot of people, we had repeat customers. You know, some people had never been on the water before. Right, yeah. Because they were just looking so, for things to do. So sure. we were, you know. Remember all of those things that you discovered uh, over exactly. the course of the past year. Yes. You do have uh, some stuff coming up uh, right out of the gate in uh, June on uh, June 5th. Next, uh, not this coming Saturday, but next Saturday. Right. So uh, next Saturday, it's, it's, it's National Trails Day. And mm-hmm. so we're going to be doing a hike out at Litzenberg on the south side. So that is not the side with the house. That's on the south side. So you have to go past the house, past the barn, if you're going on 224, and there's that parking lot on the, the south side opposite side of the on road, the south yeah. side yep mm-hmm. so that's at two o'clock and so you're going to be able to hike there um within the wetlands so if just i guess a little warning if we're getting rain then which i'm not sure you know it could be a little soggy so just kind of you know watch with the weather just okay. you know sometimes those trails are a little bit wet so just you know wear appropriate footwear but that's at two o'clock on the south side no registration just show okay. up. Hopefully, it'll be great. A couple of other uh, highlights, real quickly, from uh, uh, the month of June. Well, we've got our summer camps all listed. So, our first one okay. that'll be happening is the week of June, Tuesday, June 8th through Thursday, June 10th. It's Righteous Raptors. So, it'll think, be things about eagles and hawks and owls. And that's for ages, for kids ages seven, eight, and nine out at Oakwoods at the Discovery Center, nine to three. We need you to register by Friday, June 4th. Um, we've got a few people registered right now, so we'd like a few more kids to, okay. to join us. I'll be leading that camp. So, again, we're kicking off our camp season. And, and don't delay. Some of our one-day camps are getting filled. Um, we're still having a maximum of 16, so, you know, still some good numbers that we can have kids come out. Especially if you missed us last year. I know we missed you. <laughs> so we're excited to be able to offer summer camps Absolutely. again this summer. Absolutely. Uh, anything else to uh, highlight uh, coming up in June? Just, you know, for all your information on shelters and facilities, and just, just head on over to the website, HancockParks.com, and for everything June. So, yeah. I mean, there's I, tons of stuff say, happening. Yeah, we, we could go on and on and on. I was looking at the uh, at the calendar here, and it is uh, just jam-packed for the month of June. So yes. there's going to be something uh, for everybody to enjoy uh, coming up at the Hancock Park District, and so good to get out and actually right. be there. And, and come to our open houses. So I, I'm not sure when the first ones are happening, but we definitely have some in June at the Discovery Center, also at the McKinnis House. So Terrific we'd love stuff. to have you out there. All right. Uh, again, Michelle Rumschlag of the Hancock Park District with us this morning. Thanks very much for the update. We Thanks appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that will wrap up our podcast for today. want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. 
Remember, you get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, goodmornings.net is where you find us online. Coming up tomorrow on the program, we have details on the Findlay-Hancock County Public Library's Summer Read Program. Keep kids reading, exploring, and learning all summer long. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.